Daniel chapter 6. So let me give a quick introduction <clears throat> of what Daniel, the book of Daniel is all about. Let me start by giving a little historical background to Daniel. Who is Daniel? We know that Daniel is a prophet. Daniel lived during the time in the Old Testament days. We don't know much about Daniel or his personal life outside of the book of Daniel. We know that he is one of the descendants of Judah's you know, prominent families. And Daniel chapter 1 says he was both of royal lineage and of noble birth. So Daniel lived much of these times from 605 BC to 534 before Christ. So during that time, children of Israel were living in captivity in Babylon for 70 long years. In BC 605, the first group of people were taken as captives by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. So Daniel was one among the captives were taken by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. At the early, very early age, during his teen, Daniel and along with, Daniel along with some of his friends were taken into Babylon. They were separated from their families and they were trained in the courts of Babylon. So Daniel continued to be there in Babylon over the 70 years of captivity. So it is believed that Daniel was taken as a captive at the age of 15, just a young teen boy. So at the age of 15, he was taken as a captive to Babylon. By the time chapter 6 is written, by the time he was, he was thrown into the lion's den, we know the story. It is believed that he was at the age of 83. And it is also believed that Daniel died between 535 and 530 BC at the age between 85 and 90. So some of Daniel's contemporaries who worked in the kingdom of God during that time, they are Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Jeremiah, in fact, he prophesied about the coming exile Nebuchadnezzar coming and taking the children of Israel into Babylon as captives, he prophesied about it. Ezekiel, he was taken into Babylon as a, during part of the second captivity and he was ministering to those people, they were taken along with him into Babylon and he was sitting at the uh, riverside of Kibar River, river outside of Babylon and he was ministering to the people they came in exile. We read that in the book of Ezekiel. So from the beginning of the captivity, when Daniel was at the age of 15, Daniel has seen kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. If you see the next slide, he has seen the demise or the death of Nebuchadnezzar. He has seen the death of Belshazzar. He has seen the death of King Darius and King Cyrus. And he has seen, he has worked in many kingdoms he, one of the you know, uh, messages that the, uh, the book of Daniel conveys, the book of Daniel says, Babylon's, Babylonian kingdom or Babylon comes and goes. 
the Medes, they come and go. The Persians, they come and go. But the kingdom of God continues to say, stay forever. You know, if you, if you remember that uh, dream that Daniel had, considering Nebuchadnezzar and all the kingdom, if you remember the gold and the silver, you know, and the bronze and the iron and the clay, you know, if you remember that, you know, you'll be able to relate that with some of these kingdoms over here. Let's move further. So Daniel surveyed through all these kingdoms and he is about to start. He was surveyed through the Babylonian kingdom, uh, the rulership of King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you think about King Nebuchadnezzar, it was absolutely a monarchy. You know, what is monarchy? It was also a kind of autocratic reign. You know, he was everything. Nebuchadnezzar was everything. And he was kind of ruling the nation in, in you know, kind of dictatorship. So under King Darius, next to, next to Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he was the second world empire. You know, he's beginning his kingdom in 538 BC. So the absolute monarchy of Nebuchadnezzar is replaced with a system of hierarchy during King Darius and continued into the, into the other kingdoms. So that's the time we are, you know, we are right in Daniel chapter 6. So King Darius took over the government from Nebuchadnezzar and he removed the monarchic nature of the government and now he is building a hierarchical government you know what he did he appointed 120 satraps satraps are kind of you know provincial leaders so he appointed 120 satraps and three governors over the people and daniel was one among the governors now daniel distinguished himself above the governors and over the satraps because Bible says, Daniel 6 says, he had an excellent spirit. Can you say excellent spirit? <clears throat> there was an excellent spirit inside of Daniel. So the king wanted to make him as a leader over all the nation. Now rest of the leaders, they wanted to find fault with Daniel. Because they did not like the idea of King Darius. Now we are going to read Daniel chapter 6, couple of verses. We are going to read from verses 4 through 9. Daniel chapter 6 verse 4. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in Daniel. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it again against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. Verse 7, all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps and the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you o king shall be cast into the den of lions now o king established the decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the medes and persians which does not alter therefore king darius signed the written degree decree so you know what is happening there People did not like Daniel coming up in his life. You know, for a child of God, this morning, as I'm going to take this further, for a child of God, when you are in such a situation, your situation doesn't matter for you. 
There may be people against us, but your situation doesn't matter. This morning I would like to title my sermon as Your Situation Doesn't Matter Because You Are in the Hands of God. Amen? Can I hear a loud amen? Our situation is in the hands of God, so it doesn't really matter. I want to structure my sermon this way. Your situation doesn't matter. Number one, your situation doesn't matter for you. Number two, your situation doesn't matter to God. When your situation doesn't matter for you, from Daniel chapter 6, we are trying to understand two different things. Number number one, Daniel was trapped. Daniel was trapped now. You know, because they could not find any fault in him and they wanted to find fault in terms of his religion, in terms of his practice. And they want to set up a statue. And they want to put Daniel into trap because they knew very well Daniel is not going to bow down before the statue. And the second thing we are trying to understand is situation did not change Daniel. Let's quickly get into talk something about Daniel was trapped at this moment. That's what we read from verses 4 to 9. You know, people wanted to find fault in Daniel. So as they could not find fault otherwise, they wanted to find fault in terms of his religion. Bible says they could not find any fault. There was no error that was found in him. You know, in our lives, when it comes to our life, people in our workplace, people in our school, people even in our family, in our church, and everywhere, you know, there are people, they are trying to find fault in us. I don't know whether you know about it or not, I know about it. There are people, they are trying to find fault in you every moment. And God wants us to be found blameless and harmless. That's what the word of God says. Let's read Philippians chapter 2 verse 15. Here Paul says that you may become, can you read with me, blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a, what kind of people? Crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know, that is the call of God over you and me. God wants us to be blameless and harmless. God wants us to be blameless and harmless. That means we have to be truthful. We have to be honest and we cannot hurt others. You know, the world that we are living in today is crooked and perverse. Is wicked, is vicious. Listen to me carefully this morning. I'm talking about the world that we see around us today. Every year, people around the world they lose millions of dollars to the activities of scammers. People seek all kind of methodology to cheat and to trick innocent people and even the government. Last week, someone called me for prayer and who was in tears saying to me, Pastor, I am scammed. I lost all my savings that came from my hard work for two long years. I lost all the money. What can I do now? Can you pray for me? You know, no doubt that we are living in a crooked and we are living in a wicked world. Don't don't you know that we are living among criminals? We are living among criminals. Identity theft, identity fraud, credit card fraud, real estate fraud, 
fake phone calls, immigration fraud, job and employment scams, work at, work at home scams. There are so many that we can name them today. Some of them are totally new to us. Daniel was living among people who are crooked and perverse. And you and I today, we are living in the same situation. If you turn around, we see the world is crooked and perverse. But my point this morning is this. God wants his children to be blameless. God wants us to be blameless. I want you to listen to me carefully. God hates making false representation. God hates producing fake documents. God hates making money in illegal ways because God doesn't expect us to behave like the world. You know, sometimes as believers, we get so much attracted towards the world and we tend to follow those tricks and practices. God hates making money in legal ways. God hates not declaring the taxable income in your tax return. Nobody knows, but God knows. God hates that. Trying to sell things way too much above its actual value or trying to bargain things too much below its worth are not godly behaviors. It is a trick of the world. It is a trick of the world, not a sign of a child of God. Believers of Jesus Christ must stop doing all these things. I need to stop doing all these things. You need to stop. And as children of God, as a church of God, we are called to walk in light, not in darkness. We need to stop doing all these things. It's not a game. It's not a game. It's defaming the name of the Lord. This morning I pray that we may listen to the voice of God. Many of the believers' minds are corrupted. They try to earn money in all possible ways that are illegal. Listen to me, if you are legally allowed to work for 20 hours per week, you work only that. The more you try to work in illegal ways, the ways that God hates, and God obviously hates you doing that. You are a student, you are an immigrant, you are not a criminal. And God wants you to listen this morning that we need to be found blameless in front of people. The money you earned in illegal ways. The money for, for that we have not worked. That's the definition. The money for that we have not worked, including lottery, including gambling, including too much getting into stock market is not going to stay with you. The money for that you have not worked is not going to stay with you. It's going to take away even the, even the savings that you already have in the bank, which you got out of your hard work. God wants us to be blameless. God wants us to be blameless as we live among people who are perverse in this generation. Not only that God wants us to be blameless, but he also wants us to be harmless. You know, there are times we are too selfish. We don't care about others. We, do, we hurt others. God wants us to take care of the people who are living among us. God wants us to take care of the new immigrants, the foreigners, those who are living among us. You know, this is very important. At times, as church, we forget this. That because there's a great punishment if you know the word of God. I want to read the scriptures. I'm afraid to read the scriptures. Exodus chapter 22, verses 21 to 24. Let's read that together and try to understand. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him. 
for you were strangers in the land of Egypt verse 22 you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child if you afflict them in any way and the cry at all to me I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you I have not seen much God saying that I will kill you and God says that if you fail to take care of the strangers that are living among us people who are coming to us for shelter God wants us to take care of them and he says I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will come hot and I will kill you with the sword your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless even if we are found blameless even if we are found harmless this world is trying to trap you Exodus 22 21 to 24 this world is trying to tap trap you you know some of you have been suffering that false accusation in your workplace some of you have been going through that false accusation you know in your in your study place in your schools and in your universities some of you have been going through false accusation by your family members your spouses your in-laws and today you are living in trouble because of the false accusation made against you the governor and the satraps they were not happy about Daniel they find they wanted to find fault against Daniel but Bible says as they did not find any fault they wanted to make up one you know that's the nature of the world but not the sign of a child of God when people do not find anything in you they will cook up something they will make up something and you know what they wanted to establish a royal statue to make everyone bow down before him they knowing that Daniel is not going to bow down and he'll be thrown into the lion's den you know there are many traps than snares on our way but God wants us to be blameless and harmless let's move further let's read verse 10 Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God as was his custom since early days and verse 11 says then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God and they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions and God or man within 30 days except you O king shall be cast into the den of lions the king answered and said the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which does not alter situation did not change Daniel Daniel was trapped but now the situation did not change Daniel Daniel was not at all bothered the petitions were petition was signed Daniel was not at all bothered about the plot that was made against him Daniel was not afraid of anyone listen to me Daniel was not even trying to please the king Daniel was not greedy for position Daniel was not greedy for money and authority Daniel's prayer life Bible says Daniel's prayer life was not just internal Daniel's prayer life was more known to others you know at times today we feel so shy to represent God among people we know that we are Christian we know that we are Christ followers but Daniel was totally different nothing bothered him situation doesn't matter for a true child of God you know as a human we 
tend to behave differently, listen to me this, you tend, we tend to behave different, differently depending on our situation. When everything is going all right, when everything is going well, you know, we are so social, we are nice people, we are so friendly, but when life challenges come on our way, we withdraw, we isolate, we hate dealing with people. You know, we change our behaviors, but Daniel was not at all. You know, that, in the, that, that made me to write this. When we need, sorry, what we need is called the Christian maturity. If you can get that in the slide. Christian maturity. Now listen to me. Today, many believers, we all need this Christian maturity. So it's an ability of a Christian or an individual to exhibit Christ-like characteristics even while dealing with adverse situation, life situations. It's easy to say, but it's difficult to practice. It's an ability of Christians or believers to exhibit Christ-like characteristics even when we are dealing with adverse situations, life situations. Such people are rare to find. Daniel was one among them. You know, such people are tenacious. That means they are stubborn for God. Such people are resilient. That means, you know, they are stretched because of the life situation, but they will come back quickly. Two weeks, they are not coming to church, but the third week, they are there at the church. They behave normal. Their faith is unwavering. Daniel, even after knowing that the decree is signed, his death sentence is passed. He went home. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem and he knelt down on his knees and he prayed three times as it was his custom. It's going to be a life and death situation, but nothing stopped Daniel from doing all these things. You know, I believe there is a lesson. There is God is trying to tell something to us. Situation did not change Daniel. Today, we very easily give up our values and our rights at times. We don't even hesitate to stop doing things for God. If things are not working out the way we want, we isolate, we close down, we shut down, and we don't even follow, try to follow God. We even stop coming to church, we stop meeting people, we isolate, and we try to escape from the situation. But situation did not change Daniel. You know, Paul is encouraging us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He's saying that our faith needs to be firm. No matter what situation is, no doubt that the church is entering into a very, ad very adverse time. We don't know how the days are going to be. How the days are ahead of, uh, days ahead of us, we, are, we don't know how they are going to be. But God is asking us this morning, the church, we need to be stern, we need to be firm in our commitment to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our situation doesn't matter to us. Secondly, our situation doesn't matter to God. Our situation doesn't matter to God. And here we see man is trying to deliver Daniel, but man could not deliver him. Only Lord could deliver. Let's quickly go to verse 14. Let's read verses 14 through 17. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, 
Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians, and that no decree or statue which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve, continually he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with uh, his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Man cannot deliver. When King Darius heard that Daniel did not bow down before the statue, instead of King getting angry, you know, you can imagine, Darius was the one who passed the decree. Now, instead of him getting angry, what he did, he wanted to deliver Daniel because he realized that Daniel has a special anointing. Daniel has a special spirit inside of him. He's a man of God, harmless and blameless in that generation. So somehow the king wanted to deliver Daniel from the trap. Bible says King Darius worked all the day to find the method to release Daniel from the trouble. But the satraps and the governors, they came and they persuaded and they convinced or they influenced the king and saying that you, Daniel, need to be thrown into the lion's den. I was thinking about it. Man wanted to deliver somebody, but he could not. Man cannot deliver. But for a moment it appeared that Daniel is going to escape. Because who is thinking about it? King Darius. All the authority, all the influential power he has to deliver Daniel. He is thinking about that. Can I deliver Daniel? In what way I can deliver Daniel? But for a moment it appeared that Daniel is going to get favor. But it did not happen so. You know, even though man's desire to deliver, he cannot. Only God can deliver. You know, this morning I pray that God may help us to put our trust not on man, but on God. You know, it will appear that the help is coming. It will, it will just appear that our answer for our prayer is right there. But nothing is happening. Psalm 60 verse 11 says, God, sorry, let's read that again. Psalm 60 verse 11, give us help from trouble. For the help of man is what? Useless. The help of man is useless. You know, as we listen to these words, I pray that God may help you to know whether you are depending on man or you are depending on God for your blessings. God brings good people in your life. They are good people, but they are helpless. They cannot help. Their intention is good, like King Darius, but they are helpless by themselves. John chapter 3 verse 27, here John the Baptist says, even though it's slightly different context, but the concept is same here. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You know, we are helpless by ourselves. We cannot do anything. We are helpless at times. Man cannot help you in this situation unless God blesses, unless God helps. We are not going to receive that blessing, that help. So the word of God is saying, Daniel is teaching us this morning, do not have hope on people. Do not set your expectation on people. You know, when there was a great famine in the land of Samaria, 
It's an interesting story. We cannot get there fully. The king of Israel, he was passing by. A woman was crying out for help because so much of famine in the land of Samaria. And he is saying, she is saying, help me king, help me king. She was crying out. You know what the king said? Second Kings chapter 6 verse 27. And the king said, if the Lord does not help you. Can you read that with me? If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? If the Lord does not help you, where can you find help? You know, this morning, I believe this message is for you. Some of your situation has become so hard that you have been waiting, you have been depending on people for many different things. We have been waiting for people for many things in our lives. But Daniel's life clearly tells us that the help that we are expecting, it cannot come from man. Bible says man's help is useless. Bible also says man has to receive the help from God in order to help somebody. Knowing that Psalmist says in Psalm 121 verse 2, he says, My help, we know the scripture, beautiful scripture. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and the earth. Our help comes from the Lord. And Daniel is telling us this morning, just do not believe in Darius. They may appear to be kings. They may be appear to be helping. But let's not believe in them. Let's continue to believe in our God. That's where our help comes from. Finally, man cannot deliver, but only God can deliver. Let's read a few scriptures. Verse 18. Now the king went to his place and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went, to, went in haste to the den of the lions. And when he came to the lion, to the den, he cried out with a loud voice, in the lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually so, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have no they have not hurt me because i was found innocent before him and also O king i have done no wrong before you he was found innocent before god he was found blameless before the king now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take daniel up out of the den so daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his god man cannot deliver but god can deliver daniel was innocent before god daniel had not committed any mistake no wrong before the king daniel believed in god that's what bible says how is the deliverance possible i want you to think about in a few minutes so that we'll be able to appreciate the work of god and the same work of god can happen to you and me as we are getting into the time of prayer this morning before we close i want you to understand how the deliverance happened to daniel the king wanted to deliver daniel but he could not only god could deliver daniel whatever his situation may be it's not an easy escape for anyone who is thrown into the lion's den if you know the story of what happened after Daniel was delivered, you will realize the deliverance of God in the life of Daniel. 
For a long time I thought the lions were not hungry. But that's not true. Lions were not hungry, that's what I thought. But that's not true. They were hungry lions, how do you know? Let's read verse 24. And the king gave, you know, after Daniel was escaped, after the king and the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. They were hungry lions, not had anything overnight to eat. Who were their accusers? Verse 4 says, all the governors and all the satraps. There were 120 satraps. There were three governors and Daniel was one among them. So 120 plus 2, 122. And let's assume that, you know, two people from household, two other people, one child and wife. So 122 by 3, that gives 366. So 366 people were thrown into the same lion's den and Bible says the lions overpowered them broke all their bones into pieces before they hit the ground. Can you imagine how many lions were there? How many lions were there? And Daniel was a single man, a man of God, totally blameless, innocent and harmless, sitting there in front of the same lions over the night. What a God we serve. Now we realize the deliverance of God. Daniel said, God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. You know, today in our situation, we, we, when we look at the situation, the situation is so messed up. It is so adverse that man cannot really do anything about it. Even if he tries to help, it's not going to benefit. Doctors may want to help. The lawyers may want to help. The immigration officer wants to help. The bank wants to help, your employer wants to help, your pastor wants to help. But Bible says man's help is useless. Your friends want to help, but they are helpless. Only God can help in this situation. This morning, I don't know what your situation may be. I don't know what you have been going through in your life. You need a supernatural breakthrough, that's what I believe. What Daniel was experiencing in the lion's den was supernatural. It was not just an ordinary deliverance. It was a miraculous deliverance. You literally need an angel to come down in your situation because your situation is so pathetic that you need help, you need support, and it has to be miracle only. You need a touch from the hands of God. You want the atmosphere to change in your life so that you will have deliverance to do what you want to do. That only God can do because my Bible says if the Son of Man sets you free, you are free indeed. It talks about Lord Jesus. And the lions may appear roaring, but the lion's mouth is shut. I remember a small story when a Sunday school teacher asked the students, what do you think why the lions were not eating Daniel? And one child got up and said, the Lion of Judah was one among the lions. Who was there? The Lion of Judah was one among the lions. 
You know, this morning our situation may be so difficult, but what we need is a supernatural breakthrough in our lives where man cannot help. That help must come from God. Just want to close and we want to get in a time of prayer this morning. I want to ask these questions to you as a summary to the sermon. What are those traps in which you have fallen? What are those areas in your life that you already compromised your faith? What are those men-pleasing moments of your life? What are those power-hungry and money-thirsty decisions you made along your life, sometime back in your life? What are those moments men appear to be helping more than God? What are those moments you depended on people than God? You may see an angel, but you may not find an angel. Are you still trusting on God for your deliverance? Your miracle cannot really come from man. It has to come from God because we serve a supernatural God. Shall we get into the time of prayer this morning? If you all can stand wherever you are.